0: says this. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, what did you say at once? at once? At once they left their nets and followed him. That's pretty substantial, isn't it? That they would just leave. It says they left their nets. They weren't like fishing on the James on Saturday. This was their livelihood. They just left their lives. They just left everything to follow Jesus. I love that principle in Scripture. And I think for all of us it's important that we have a moment in our lives that um, no matter what's going on around your life, that you have made a monumental decision That Jesus, I'm turning my life over to you. And uh, it may may mean you need to quit your job. It probably doesn't. But the concept of just, I'm going to leave everything that's in my control. And I'm going to put my life into your hands and follow you in whatever that means. It is the best way to follow Jesus. I love the phrase, serving God hard is easy. Serving God easy, that's hard. That's hard. Let's pray. Father, we love you today, and I thank you for who you are. You're our hero. You're our hero. We welcome you. We welcome you in this place. We welcome you in our hearts. You're the miracle worker. You're the great counselor. You're the great comforter, the great encourager, the shepherd of our souls. We say we love you today. and We just proclaim. We know that you're so capable. Let your word this morning minister to every individual in this room. Speak, Holy Spirit, to every one of us. I pray for the empowerment and the leading of your spirit. God, to share your word with the authority with which you have written it and given it to us. We love you and honor you. It's in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. So in this new series called Moving Forward, we're going to look at some keys to moving forward in what God has for you. And today in part one, I want to talk to you about the point of no return. The scripture I just mentioned to you was kind of like that. They left their nets, they left their living, they left their lives to follow Jesus. It was the point of no return. And to do that this morning, I want to open up with you with a, a scripture that I shared on Tuesday night at Living Free. A, 1 uh, Kings 1919. 19. I asked for permission in Living Free the other night. I said, I think I'm going to share this on Sunday, and they were good good with it. Apparently, you're allowed to share scriptures more than once. Praise the Lord. 1 Kings 1919. 19. Let me give you a little bit of a setup. So Elijah, uh, the prophet in the Old Testament, he kind of run his race, and he had worn down, and it's an interesting story. He'd done great things for the Lord, but it was kind of Frankly, time for him to retire. He was worn out, and he was just like, Lord, I'm, I'm done. And the Lord said, yeah, you're done. I'm ready for your successor. And in this story, we find out how Elijah is going to identify his successor. His successor's name is Elisha with an S-H. H. First Kings 19.19 19 says this. So Elijah went up from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the twelfth pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. That cloak represented like a mantle of authority, like a a mantle being put on him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come to you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went, went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he sat, set out to follow Elijah and became his serp, servant. I almost said serpent. That would have been bad. Um, so in this scripture, we find that Elijah with a J is... He's worn out. And, and, and after Elisha replies, he's like, let me go tell my mom and dad goodbye and all of that. He's like, just go back. He's like, what have I done to you? And this is, at, if you will, this is a prophet, Elijah, the, the predecessor. He is just worn out from it all. And he's looking at him going, what have I done to you by you know, putting this calling on your life and that kind of thing? And he's just emotionally spent. There's a whole other sermon that we can preach on that. But we're going to focus on Elisha with an SH today and his response and Elisha was making this a decision that day that he was all in and that there was no going back. And so to make sure that he did not go back and did not have a way to go back, he took his um, 12 pair of ox, so 24 ox, slaughtered them all, took all of the, the equipment, burned it, had a feast for all the workers, and he basically took his livelihood and got rid of it all. I don't know about y'all, but that's... Pretty amazing to me. It's like that old song. Take this job and shove it. Anyhow, <laughs> I ain't working here no more. Any... <laughs> You're welcome. You want to hear that? It's on the podcast. <laughs> Out of key and everything. Um, but what an amazing move to take it all and to set it aside that way. Now, y'all, this is hundreds Of years ago. I mean, 24 ox today, that's worth some money. Can you imagine what that must have been worth? The equipment and all of it. I mean, for me, if it was me, I'd be like, well, let me get somebody to just like manage it for me. I'll pay them a little and I'll get a stipend out of it. Like me, I'm like the entrepreneur thinking about how can we work this? But Elijah. Elisha, excuse me, he's looking at this going, I am leaving this life. I'm leaving it all behind and I am going all in. I'm going to put myself at the point of no return so that I can't go back. This scripture reminds me so much of the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10 when he comes and he's like, I want to follow you, Jesus. Jesus looks at him, he's like that. Hey. You just need lack one thing. Just go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. And it says he was sad because he was a man of wealth. And he just couldn't do it. And here Elijah is. It it amazes me, like, in the scripture, it seems like he's just so ready to do it. So eager to do it. He makes it look easy, doesn't it? I mean, you just read through the scripture and it's like, he did it. Now we're moving on. It's like. He just gave up his whole livelihood. There's really something that we could learn from the decisiveness, how monumental, how the great conviction with which he made that decision. You notice how because he made it with such great conviction and he made it with such great significance, it made the decision look so much easier. Man, can we learn something from that. I don't know about you, but sometimes we get these areas in our lives where we feel a tension. We feel a pull. A place in our lives or an area in our lives where we feel like this, a lack of resolve. It's like, I could go this way or I could go that way. A place where we could go one way, we could go another. And, and maybe, maybe you have an area in your life where you feel stuck And it's like there's two different roads that you could go. There's two different ways. And it's trying to figure it all out. It could be a relationship in your life, healthy or unhealthy, or something that needs to be taken care of or resolved. It could be... Your work or your profession there's there's just something that needs to change or something that needs to change in you and you just feel this this tension going on in your life it could be something financial where it's kind of gone on and on and something needs to change and you just but you're kind of sitting in that the same pattern and you're not necessarily changing what's going on around you or it could be you know a habit or an addiction or or something that you turn to and i want to ask you the question this morning is there Is there an area in your life where God is asking you to make a decision? Where he's asking you to make a call and maybe he's even told you, this is the way that I want you to go. You know, sometimes when the Lord says, this is the way I want you to go, we kind of go, I hear you. My feet kind of stay there. I acknowledge you, or I think we, get, we can be really spiritual Christians. I think the Lord may be speaking to me. <laughs> as my feet don't move and I don 't do a thing. I 'm going to share it in Life group. I think the Lord may be dealing with me in something, but it 's an unspoken right now. I'm not going to talk about it. Sorry. For those of you who say unspokens, please forgive me. I'm really not trying to, to pick on you, but you know what I 'm talking about. We can turn it into spiritual. I think the Lord just kind of chuckles when we do that. Or maybe that's when the Lord does the eye roll. Um, You know, the the reality is when we are on the fence, we become double-minded. Now, don't get me wrong. There are decisions that take analysis, that take prayer, that take advice, that take all those things. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about when there's a way to go, when there's a decision that needs to be made, being double-minded is... A horrible place to be. It's a terrible master because it just pulls you apart and it takes so much energy in your mind. Am I right? Well, we gotta think about it this way. Now but I gotta think about it this way. Well, but I think about it this way. You're just going and it's just like, man, you could have watched a sitcom or something. Like you could have put your feet up. James 1 8 says, If such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do, you just at some point, you got to come to a place where you got to take the leap and you got to go to that point of no return. And i got to tell you, it's a lot of fun. For those of you who are risk-adverse, you don't have to put your hand up, it's okay. For those of you who are risk-adverse, I just want to encourage you, this is what you do. Take the risk, whatever you're thinking the risk is, take it to its furthest end, and then acknowledge that that is the worst thing that can happen, and then don't let it have any power over you anymore. Just don't let it have power over you. Sometimes I think, you know, in terms of risk, like, like, what's the worst thing that can happen? Well, if I were to pass away, i go to heaven. Don't worry, I'm not planning on going anywhere. But you know what I'm saying. It's like, just take it to its furthest end. If I take this financial leap, they could take everything I have and I have nothing. Okay, that's terrible. All right, now I've gone there. Next it's just a way sometimes of calculating a risk, and I'm not t- saying just take risk for risk's sake, but sometimes risk and potential things that can't happen have control over us, and sometimes we just got to move, move forward and move through it. The key is, is God asking you to do it? Is God putting it in your heart? Is he the one who's leading you? And do you trust that he has your best interest at heart? There's this um, famous conquistador in, in, um, in history in the 16th century named Cortez, and there's a legend about Cortez that when he got to um, Central America, he burned all his ships so that his men could not go back. It was like, conquer or die. <laughs> it's not actually what happened, um, but what he did had the same kind of purpose and concept. What he did was um, he took most of his ships and he ran them ag- aground, damaging them. And, so, and then he took all the useful parts of it and then took the boats apart and created housing and things like that and basically took their hopes of sailing off, off the table, if you will, right? He actually did leave one ship left so that he could take riches back to the king of Spain, which I find that fascinating. But I'm not preaching the Bible to you. We won't take that analogy too far. Um, but this concept of he just said, I'm going all in. And, and his quote was this. He says, we're all in and there's no turning back. Of course, he said it in Spanish. But and it, uh, the other thing he said is, then they had then nothing to rely on apart from every, of the men. They had nothing to rely on but their own hands and the assurance that they would either conquer and win in the land, or die in an attempt. You know, the difference is with the Lord. When we take a leap, we are doing what God has put in our hearts to do, and we are following after. His leading. And I would say that the risks are very different when we're making a decision that the Lord is putting in our hearts, right? And I think that there, I, this is what I believe. I don't have the scripture for you. I believe there are points for doing what you sincerely believe the Lord showed you to do. I believe there are points. I think sometimes we get it wrong, but that's okay. I, if, you, if you have to get everything right, you won't make decisions in your life, and you won't make move forward. But indecision is many times worse than making the wrong decision. And so the question is, what is it that God is putting in your heart to do? Is there an area where you're feeling this tension and this pull? And the reason that you're feeling the pull is because the decision hasn't been made. The conviction hasn't been made. What's beautiful is that once you have made the decision, your confidence can then be put in the Lord if you have made that decision in faith. And you've said, Lord, this is what I believe that you are putting in my heart to do. I'm just going to step out of the boat. I'm just going to leave the other options behind. And I'm going to put myself in that place where I've just made a decision. Even if I get this wrong, even if if this was the pizza speaking and not your Holy Spirit... I'm just going to move in the direction that I believe that you've put in my heart because it's a lot easier to, to steer a ship that's moving than a ship that's a dock. I hope you hear the tension of what I'm saying. What I, I believe what the Lord wants to do this morning is he wants to break people free from paralysis. Break them free from just being stuck because that's a terrible master. No one wins in indecision. So we don't make our decisions up half-hearted and we don't we're not reckless with our decisions but at some point you got to just say i'm just gonna get out of this boat and if i sink i'm gonna yell out for jesus and he's gonna catch me jesus psalm seventy-three twenty-five says this whom have i in heaven but you on earth there's nothing i desire besides you I want to pause there for just a moment. This scripture is such a beautiful revelation. Because what it's saying is, in heaven, what I have is you. And you hear the scripture, he says, there's nothing on this earth that I desire besides you. One of the things that can really hold us back from decisions is the things on earth that have our desire, that have us. He came to those disciples and he said, come and follow me. Not an eloquent speech, not a long speech, not a complicated speech. Come and follow me. What a beautiful just few sets of words that he would say. And what did they do? They just came and followed him. i said it many times in the past where, you know, following Jesus isn't very complicated. It costs you everything you have. But it's really every day walking, waking up and saying, my life's in your hands. I'm following you. Everything is out for your discretion. Everything that is mine is yours. I am following you. That kind of turning your life over just makes life less complicated. It also makes it great when bills come in the mail. Lord, you got a bill in the mail. It had a lot of zeros. I know you knew, but I just thought I would, you know, just make sure. Because there's that turning over. But. When we have nothing on earth that we desire above God, all of a sudden the pull, the gravity becomes, Lord, what is in your heart and what is your will? Serving God hard is so much easier. So much easier. The next scripture says, My flesh and my heart may fail. (laughs) True that. But God is the strength of my heart. And my portion forever. It's, it's this beautiful concept that you have all that you need in him. He's, he's who you need. He's what you need. He is the strength of your heart. When, when you're wondering which way to go, Jesus. When you're wondering who to ask, Jesus. When you're wondering, you know, which way to go, the Lord. You know, it's, it's like, it's, I am not my own. There's something about that, that decision that is so freeing in our lives. that brings a freedom. I'm not saying it brings all the answers. There aren't times when you're like, how's this going to work out? And what's going to happen next? And all of that. It's actually quite thrilling. To just follow Jesus that way. But. When the answer is always the same. You are the strength of my heart. You are my portion. Everything that I have is in you. You are what I desire above anything on this earth. You are my answer. And what I love about that. It's not the what. It's the who. Do you all hear that? A lot of times we're trying to make decisions in life about what's. And the answer is a who. And so. We turn our lives over to him that way. There are like so many scriptures when we look at like the sending of the 12, they, He goes out and he says, "Take nothing but your staff." And they're like just out there with the authority of the Lord. We talked about that a few weeks ago. It's like, "I got nothing but a message. Pretty cool. There's this point in their lives in walking with Jesus, where the disciples, they had made the decision years before. But they had come to this point in life where it wasn't the, the, the peak. It was one of those valleys. And it was one of those valleys where it wasn't as easy to follow after the Lord as other times. In John 6, verse 66, um, this comes right after where Jesus has been telling a crowd. He says, listen, I want you to eat my flesh and drink my blood. That would be weird in any context, right? And people are just like grossed out by it. Mean, It's gross in any circumstance, but to tell a Jewish person to eat your flesh and drink your blood is particularly offensive. And people just don't get it. And here's what it says. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. They were out, right? And Jesus said, you don't want to leave too, Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. This is such a beautiful place in Scripture because people are confused by what's going on around them. And they don't even understand what God is telling them in that moment. Has that ever happened to anyone in this room? I'm confused. I, I, I don't understand. And people start turning away. They're like, I don't understand. I'm out. Jesus looks at them. It's almost like he's trying to drive them away. You can almost feel this like tenderness. And Jesus is like, you don't want to leave too, do you? I mean, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't like give them the option. I mean, come on, Jesus. But what was beautiful was what came out of their heart. Where are we going to go? Isn't that a beautiful answer? They've been walking with him for three years. They left their nets. They left it all. Where are we going to go? That's all in. When you don't have anywhere else to go. It's like, Jesus, we don't even know how to leave you. We don't know where we would go next. And then this beautiful statement of faith. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. I don't understand what you're... I, I really believe... That they did not understand what Jesus was talking about with eat my flesh and drink my blood. Which he was alluding to communion and talking about communion. But they didn't really have a frame of reference to really get that yet. So I don't think they got it. But they got him. And they just said, we trust you. And we believe in you. And that's a beautiful place to be in your faith. God gives us a lot of answers and a lot of explanations about a lot of things. But I don't know you might have clued in that God is a lot smarter than us. To think that we can understand everything in his economy and cosmos and everything, if you think you can, you're pretty arrogant. He's God, right? So there's places of mystery. I don't care who you are and I don't care what your theology is. You have a place where you have a mystery. And here they are at this place of mystery and they're saying, Where am I going to go? I believe and know that you you are the Holy One of God. I believe in you. Again, the answer was the who. We believe in you. We're with you. We're following after you. Such a beautiful place. And that beautiful place brought a liberation in their life initially. It's like, hey we're with Jesus and making a commitment can be really difficult but it really does bring a freedom in your life and it brings a sense of direction in your life and it it really settles the matter and then you come to other you come to places where you may not understand what's going on you may not understand all the circumstances but if you're all in you're all in you're just like here I am i have decided to follow Jesus i mean it's just like that's it that's it just It's just that simple, you know, today I've just decided to follow Jesus and you may get decisions right and you may get decisions wrong, but the elegance and the beauty and the simplicity of I'm just all in. I just want to ask you this morning, is there a place in your life where you're holding back from what God is leading you to do? And if you are, you're feeling a tension. You're feeling a pull. I really believe that he respects your will. And he really wants you to respond to him rather than I'm just forcing you to do it. If you're struggling with your will, I like the cheater prayer. Lord, help me with my will. Help me to want what you want. Help me to follow what you... But there's something about us making the decision. It grows us up. It matures us. It just helps us along. It really It does something in us when we own it and when we... It, it, when. Um, it's it's the decision that is a conviction in our hearts. And the irony is it's the decision you make to put your whole life into his hands. Beautifully elegant. So simple. I want to invite the ushers, or the ushers. <laughs> Y'all are doing great. Hang out there. I want to invite the worship team to come up. That's faith. <laughs> Bruce, we... Um, Bruce you can play and sing and Kevin you look like a bass guy for sure with the glasses for sure I appreciate that these are good good men